It is time for the greatest show on earth, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, well, that's to be debated, but, uh, you know, I tried my best. Welcome to the Harland Highway. Yes, we're right at the edge of, of uh, Monday once again, probably a little bit over. But, uh, you know, we're, get, we're getting her done, man. Uh, great show today. Interesting show. We start the show with some stand-up comedy, a recording of some of my stand-up comedy where things got a little weird and I experimented. And I'll tell you more about it as we get into the show. But about a 20-minute clip of my live stand-up. And then we do a crazy news story that's almost a little too disgusting to even talk about. But, you know me, once I start... I can't stop. And then uh, the end of the show, a little more serious tone. Um, got a got a, a an email, a, a direct message to my Twitter. I got a, a voicemail from a, a fine gentleman who was struggling with depression and struggling with loneliness. And, and he kind of reached out to me randomly. And, and I don't really usually respond to this stuff, but he just seemed like he was in a place where he needed a friend. And so uh, I will tell you the story of how I reached out and you will hear his phone call. And we're going to talk about when we go to those dark places. So let's do it. This is the Harland Highway. You know my name. It's on the marriage certificate. I've never seen you before in all my life. Hold on to your airbag. The heartless, heartless monsters. All of you through and through. You're riding down the Harland Highway. Oh, yeah. see a fallen star, that means a witch has just died. You clumsy idiot. The Harland Highway. All I want is to hear people say something again and to see people moving again. I'm Floyd Bernie, a rockabilly boy. Don't you understand? You're listening to Harland Williams. I can't be your daughter. I'm a machine. Man, you've been dead a thousand years. My George, I think he's got it. You're riding down the Harland Highway with Harland Williams. What's up, Doc? Mister, if you're going to lose, you're going to lose right now. Don't leave me here! Welcome to the Grand Illusion. Come on in and see what's happening. Yeah. Come on in. See what's happening. Uh, hey gang, I want to start the show with something that's kind of fun. You know, I did, I did this show on the weekend at the world famous comedy store on the, uh, in the incredible sunset strip. And, uh, this club is really hopping right now. It's kind of having this big resurgence and they're bringing in all the, dare I say the best of the best. I mean, it's, a, there's a real scene going on at the comedy store in Hollywood and, uh, it's kind of the, the, the place to be right now. There's a real buzz, a real vibe, and there's a lot of great comedians. And so I'm, I'm going up there every week and doing, doing stuff. And I did a show, I think on Friday night, where I was just in a silly mood and I was experimenting and I was, you know, that's what I like to do. And I've told you guys before, when I do local shows, I like to I don't really like to do my traditional act. I like to work on new material. I like to experiment. And so a couple of things happened during this act that I really liked. 
There was one that was really cool where there was this gentleman, this African-American gentleman, and I started talking to him in the crowd, and he had this super deep voice, just like this real deep. I can't even go that deep. I mean, you wait till you hear it. I'm going to play it for you. So, so I had a really fun exchange with this guy with the deep voice, and I actually handed him the microphone and got him to talk because I was just so enamored with his, with his beautiful voice. So you'll hear that in the set. And then the other thing I did, which really, I, you kind of have to see it, but I, I think you'll get the gist of it. At one point in my set, I, th- I just thought to myself, you know, I'm not going to talk. I'm not going to do any more, you know, verbal material. I'm just going to stand up here and, and stare at the crowd, and I'm just going to do this with my mouth. So basically, I just, I pursed my lips and then I opened my lips slowly, and it kind of makes this sound. It's like, right? Did you hear that? I'll do it again. It's like, <laughs> it's kind of gross and disgusting. It's just like, <laughs> and then at the end of like opening my mouth, I'd kind of leave my mouth hanging open. And I just kind of stare at the crowd, and they didn't know what to do. And some people, you can I don't know if you can pick them up, but some are, you can hear them go, please stop doing that. Please stop. Make, like, it made people uncomfortable. It made them giggle. It made them, it was just like, and just when they thought it was going to stop, I'd do it again. I'd be like, and I wouldn't say anything. I'd just leave it hanging and stare at them. And, oh, my God, I was cracking up. I, w- I was, I was make, definitely making myself laugh, and there was a few people that were just loving it. And the rest of the room, I think, was bewildered and and confused, and and that was the beauty of it, man. Like it was like a full room, like a packed house, and here I am. Like I don't know how long it lasted, but I just kept going, <laughs> and it's just so fun to toy with people, and and that's the beauty of stand up, man. You can do whatever you want, and sometimes it's not about a clever, crafted joke or you know, a beautifully, beautifully, you know, forged story. Sometimes comedy can just be something as stupid as going, making a disgusting noise with your mouth. So I don't know. I haven't listened back to this yet, so I don't know if it'll translate well, but I did it right into the microphone, so hopefully you'll hear it. And if you don't hear it, you just hear like a big quiet spot, then that's me making these noises. So I thought I'd play this for you. There's a, there's a lot of experimentation. The, the set doesn't start off very well because you won't understand the bits, but the first couple of bits, I was literally quoting the comic who was on before me. I was kind of referencing his material, thinking they'd laugh at that, and they kind of didn't, and so I was just kind of hanging there. But again, I kind of like hanging there. It's It's when you're hanging there that you find the cool stuff, you know? If you always know where you're going, you never arrive at anywhere weird or different, right? So I kind of I kind of like to just go down little side streets with my comedy and see where it takes me, you know? So here it is. I hope you enjoy it. This set's, I think it's about 19 minutes long. I'll, I'll play you the whole thing, and there's some new material I was trying, and hopefully you'll, you'll get a kick out of it. So here it is, uh, yours truly at the world-famous comedy store on the Sunset Strip, making crazy mouth noises. 
Play it, Raj. All right, Mr. Harlan Williams, ladies and gentlemen. Harlan Williams. Jiffy Lube, right, Brosh? And I go over to Jiffy Lube, I say to the guy, real nice, I go, how much, bro? And he goes, 65 bucks, right? And I'm going, okay, okay, that sounds good, let's do it, right? And he's like, uh, sir, where's your car? And I'm like, car, what am I in fucking high school? I don't want to do it in a car, bro. <laughs> the hydraulic lift back there. Let's get Daddy on it. Let's ride. <laughs> no? Okay. Uh, I like long walks on the beach. Um, I uh, had my identity stolen. You ever have that happen, little buddy? Oh, no. No? No. You will. Well, <laughs> anyone got you have a beer? You ever had your identity stolen, bro? You did? It's pretty weird, right? A porn site. A porn site took it? Yeah, yeah. Well, they probably didn't need to reveal that. <laughs> I uh, had my identity stolen and I knew uh, it was stolen because I got home that night and uh, it was in my bed. <laughs> I was like, fuck, I might as well sleep with him, he's me, right? <laughs> okay, let's try uh, shift gears, let's try something else. <laughs> How are you, man? You good? You ever snap your back and crawl up the stairs upside down like Linda Blair from the episode? <laughs> <laughs> no, you went. <laughs> I uh, was at the Shell station down here about uh, three hours ago, and this sucks when this has probably happened to a few guys here. ISIS, you probably had it happen. <laughs> I'm at the Shell station down here, bro, at Melrose and La Cienega, even though they don't beat. And, uh, <laughs> you this happened? You're at the Shell station, and you shove your you-know-what through a glory hole, and you hit a baby owl in the fucking eye. <laughs> hit a fucking owl in the eye with your mushroom. Yeah. Okay, let's uh, switch gears. <laughs> you can sit down there and try to do something. Uh, how are you, my love? You good? What's your name, my tender child? 
Nahid. Nahid. I love that name. You don't hear that name very often unless you're watching Star Wars. It's a beautiful name. Nahid. I bet it, what's it, where's it from? Sarah, I'm going to ask her where it's from. Where's it from, ma'am? Persian or Arabic, she doesn't know who she is. <laughs> and I bet it has a meaning like rising sun or blossoming lotus flower. What is it? It means Venus. Okay, okay, Venus, little buddy, is one of the planets. <laughs> Do you know about the planets, little buddy? You're on the porn site, you probably know all about the greatness. How are you, ma'am? You ever shove your ass in a fish tank and see how many bubbles you can blast? You're welcome. Ma'am, if you could uncross your arms, trying to do a show. <laughs> How are you, little guy? You look like a big barrel of fun. What's your name, kid? What is it? Marlo. Marlo. I love it. I love it. Great name. Great name. An Indonesian girl's name. <laughs> and what do you do, little friend? Student. You're a film student. Holy shit, maybe time for a toothbrush. <laughs> Sir, if you could close your legs, it smells. Texting and driving, little buddy, if you cannot peel your peer, peer label on the show, that tells me you're not focusing, you're focusing on peeling the peer label. You probably stood in line to get the front fucking seat, and you're peeling a fucking peer label. Why don't you just bring a fucking Rubik's Cube and enjoy the show? Wanna go out and do a fucking crop circle later with your fucking onion soaked ball sack? So good luck, man. Chinese roasted hillbilly. How are you, buddy? You ever go to the pet shop and buy one of those goldfish with the big bulgy eyes and dangle it over your face and pretend you're teabagging yourself? <laughs> You will, it's gonna happen. It's gonna happen, you gotta believe. You gotta believe something. So you can take your hand off your chin. Texting and driving will get you killed. Have you heard this guy? Have you heard this? Texting, anybody text and drive? Be honest, little buddy, you probably do it when you're not out in the field sewing walnuts at baby walruses. <laughs> Anybody text from the drive? Do you do it, ma'am? You look like a guilty person. <laughs> Texting and driving will get you killed. Case in point, I'm going down the 405 yesterday, 65 miles an hour. I look beside me, old lady in a minivan, texting while she's driving. 
I ram her. <laughs> Dead. Not on, my watch. Not on my watch. You onion soup slurping, psoriasis covered, grilled cheese flipping, varicose vein sucking, mothball fucking, fucking sweater knitting, fucking bingo playing, fucking waffle licking, Chinese fucking dildo stuffing, fucking gray fucking powdery wig sucking, dirty fucking leaky chow bathwater gobbling, fucking old bag. your Rebel Wilson's bicycle seat? <laughs> <laughs> Strange crowd. <man. laughs> Did you like that 
Suitcases, right, Brosh? Standing at the counter, waiting to go up and check my big old bags. An ethnic couple standing beside me, husband and wife, beautiful ethnic couple. Doesn't matter what ethnicity they are, everyone's the same to me, right, guy? Everyone's the same to me. Lady summons me over, I walk up with my bags, I'm just about to check them in. 
ethnic gentleman leaves his wife, comes over to me, very irate, and lights me up. And it doesn't matter what ethnicity he is, but he gets in my grill, and he's like, hey man, you fucking butted in front of me, I say. <laughs> and again, it doesn't matter what ethnicity. And I go, excuse me, because you fucking butted in front of me and my wife, Holmes? I said, sir, I did not butt in front of you, my friend. And he goes, oh yeah, you cut right in front of us. You got white fucking privilege, I say. And I said, what did you say? He goes, you got white fucking privilege, Holmes. And I looked at him very compassionately and I said, sir, I am so terribly sorry. And if you and your beautiful wife wouldn't mind carrying my bags to get <laughs> Because if I got it, I'm gonna fucking use it. <laughs> it's not easy being white now, is it? It's not easy being white today. I wouldn't want to be a fucking albino today. Huh? Oh, there's skin in those fuckers. If I was an albino, I'd be hiding in a cauliflower patch in Ohio. <laughs> and by the way, if, if an albino bleaches their asshole, would anyone know? <laughs> you know I'm going to have trouble sleeping tonight because of your voice. That green mild voice. <laughs> Take my hand, boss. <laughs> I remember that scene where he reaches through the bars and grabs Tom Hanks in the car? Yeah. And all the flies come out of his fucking mouth and you're thinking, what the fuck has Tom Hanks been eating? <laughs> Who's next, bro? My labia's getting dry. I gotta, I gotta wrap this thing up. My labia's, it's a parch. Once the labia goes, the clit's right behind. <laughs> So there you go. That's good, Rob. That's pretty much the last little bit right there. So you know, like I said, you might have had to have been there, but I thought I'd, I thought I'd play it for you. It's kind of a weird, low-key, like meandering set that I did. But that—that's how I, that's how I learn. That's how I explore. That's how I probe. That's how I find, you know, the starting point for for a new bit. The one bit that that was brand new in there was the uh, the uh, somebody stole my identity. So I'm starting to figure that one out. Every time I do it, I find a new little layer to it, a new piece. So that's that's how it works, man. Um, so there you go, little little uh, stand up comedy fun. And uh, thanks for playing it. Hope you enjoyed it. And uh, let, let's just, let's just keep on moving on, baby. Hello, hi, this is Espanova, and I have your basket. We've been weaving them for days and days, and they are in all multicolors, and they are ready for you. You can use your chow mein. You can, um, they are, you will find them at the address provided in this envelope that you will see in your hands, and we will see you very shortly again, Espanova. Rodriguez, Conchita, pick up your basket. Whoa! 
Okay, a little, little aggressive there, uh, Rosita, Chokita, Espinosa, Popaliza, or whatever the hell your name is. Espinosa, Rosa Rodriguez, Conchita. Pick up your basket. Well, it sounded like her name was going to keep going. Did you hear? She was like, Rosita, Espinosa, Chakita. Uh, oh, just pick up your basket. Pick up your basket. And Espinosa, Rosa Rodriguez, Conchita. Just pick up your motherfucking basket, please. Hurry up. Pick it up. You ever get that? You ever get like a, a weird phone call and it's clearly not for you? But you, you, you sit there and you wonder, did the person call me like not hear my voicemail? Like, you know, I'm, I'm a comedian. I try to be funny. So, so my, my voice message on my, on my phone is uh, I go, hey, this is Harlan. I'm not here. Leave me a message and we'll leave the light on for you. You know, the line from the, the Motel 6, we're Motel 6, and we'll leave the light on for you. So that that's my message. Now, did does this lady just disregard, like, first of all, I have an unusual name. So I clearly go, hi, this is Harlan. D- does, her, does her basket order form say baskets for Harlan? And then, you know, if I throw in the uh, Motel 6 thing, shouldn't that be a signal? I mean, God. Hello. Hi, this is Espinosa, and I have your basket. We've been weaving them for days and days. Days and days. You've been leaving them. I mean, baskets, how big is a basket? They're, they're usually fairly big, right? They're usually the length of a loaf of bread. I mean, if they've been leaving them for days and days at whoever's house, how many baskets are at this house? And at what point do you stop leaving shit because you realize nobody's picking it up? It's like that crazy house in the neighborhood. You ever you ever see that one house where the the mailman, he knows they're not going to pick up the junk, but but he just throws the... The flyer with the elastic band around it and the junk mail and the phone book and the and you just see it all over their 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 front porch. And you, 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 you know nobody's in there. If there's someone's in there, they're probably a corpse and you think it's a haunted house. But the mailman just keeps leaving it. You know, the other papers are so old they're like they're like sun bleached and they're they're yellow from the rain and they're you know they're matted to the wood on the on the on the porch, but some of these delivery people don't, do you not have a clue? I mean, wouldn't it be smarter to go hi? This is Esplanaza, Rosetta Stone, Patrica, Paprika, Fernandez, Guadalupe, and uh, we've tried to deliver baskets to your house once, maybe twice, maybe three times. And they're just sitting out front and nobody's picking them up. So we're going to we're going to stop delivering the baskets until we hear from you. Please contact us at blah, 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 blah. Okay, you don't just keep delivering stuff. You don't keep stacking stuff up. But people do this stuff, man. It's weird. Just just get a clue. Like, just stop. 
And then what if this person is in their house and they can't get out because there's like a wall of baskets at their front door? Or maybe they can't get in because there's a wall of baskets. Stop with the baskets. And what are you doing with baskets anyhow? And they are in all multicolors and they are ready for you. You can use your chamin. You can, um, they are, you will find them at the address provided in this envelope that you will see. What the hell is she talking about? Maybe she's the basket, like as in basket case. Like, it just sounds like she, she starts a... A, a, a thought and then switches gears and then goes off and there's a basket and there's an envelope and there's a thing and and then she tries to say her name and she gets she can't even say her own name she gets frustrated at her own name and then she gets mad she's just up oh, pick up your basket it's rosa marie guanzales guadalupe just pick up your basket Pick up your basket. So there you go. One of the many calls I, I get to the Harland Highway hotline. And uh, just I, I, that one just got me baffled. So if you're listening, Rajita, Kachola, Kapila, Mamola, there, there, there's no, you're, you're calling the wrong person. Don't need any baskets. Uh, go call the right person. Okay? Yeesh. The Harland Highway. Crazy news story. That's weird. Wow. That's strange stuff. Okay. Oh, this one just. I'm already cringing, Raj. I don't know where you find these stories, but this this one is not making me comfortable. And I think the rest of you should get ready to cringe too. Ugh. Here we go. Ready? Five foot long tapeworm came wiggling out of man's body after he ate sushi. Oh, my God. That We're talking five feet, okay? Most humans are about five feet high. Oh, my God. Sushi lovers beware. Great. I, I actually enjoy sushi. Great. This This should be good. A California man who ate sushi every day ended up with a five-foot-plus-long tapeworm inhabiting his body. The Fresno male went to the emergency room complaining of bloody diarrhea. Okay, right there I should just stop. Shouldn't I just stop? Five-foot-long tapeworm, bad enough. Now we've got the first paragraph in and we're into bloody diarrhea. Should I just stop? I can't. I can't. We have to know. Um... Oh, God, there's a picture of this thing, and they stretched it out, and it's like it's like the length of, of, a, of a table. Oh, God. All right, so the emergency room physician was initially skeptical when the man insisted to residents at a community regional medical center, I really want to get treated for worms, until he saw for himself the disgusting proof. Quote, I take out a toilet paper roll and wrapped around it, of course, is what it looks like, this giant long tapeworm. Wait, what? I take out a toilet paper roll and wrapped around it, of course, is what looks like this. Okay, this guy can't talk. Maybe the tapeworm's got his tongue. I don't know. 
So I guess this guy took out a, a, a roll of toilet paper and wrapped the damn tapeworm around the toilet paper roll. So I'm guessing maybe it came out of his butt. And he decided to wrap it around. So as it was coming out, like like someone, you know, spooling some thread or wrapping fishing line around a spool, this guy was twirling a toilet paper roll as the tapeworm came out. Oh, my God. So then he unraveled. It says, after being unraveled, the tapeworm ended up being five and a half feet long. The doctor recalled how the patient said he felt the worm wiggling out and felt like his guts were coming out as he sat on the toilet. Oh, God. Should I just stop? Really? He then began to remove the worm, which started moving. The doctor said the man was relieved it was a tapeworm. Yeah, what'd you think it was, alien? Or or, uh, did you think maybe your dog was missing? The patient was treated with medication to help remove the rest of the worm from his body. There was a study published last year pointing out that wild-caught salmon caught off the coast of Alaska may contain tapeworm. The man said he won't be eating any salmon anytime soon. No, but your tapeworm might. I mean, dude, you better feed that thing or it might start eating your organs. God, isn't, aren't we funny? Aren't our humans funny with our, our crazy bodies and the weird things that can happen? Can you imagine? And how long was that thing living up there? You know what I mean? Like, we don't know how long that damn worm. If it grew over five feet, it'd, it'd probably been up there for a while. So picture a worm living in your yard, digging around in the mud and the ground, making little tunnels, eating dirt or whatever worms eat. And then picture that in your belly, but over five and a half feet long, which in most cases is longer than someone's entire body. What What's this thing doing in there? Where's it going? Where can't it go? I mean, you got to remember the inside of your body is like, it, it's, it's a toxic place, man. It's full of gases and acids and, and it's, it's hot and it's, it's full of uh, toxins and it's full of, uh, all kinds of things that aren't healthy enzymes. Like, you know, it's got, it's got, uh, it's got, uh, defensive mechanisms, uh, bacterias and and things that would probably attack a tapeworm. But yeah, this tapeworm's just sliding around and all the ooze and the goos and living it up. Hey, fellas, guess what we're having tonight? More sushi. I mean, this tapeworm's eating better than most homeless people around the country. You know, some homeless people are picking through a garbage can down on uh, Main Street looking for an old uh, KFC chicken leg. And here's Tommy the tapeworm getting uh, high-end freaking sushi shoved down his throat. What the hell's this? <laughs> wow, this tapeworm had a good gig until, until he went down Bloody Diarrhea Boulevard and came out the wrong hole, man. Oh, God. I, I, don't, I wonder how he lured the thing out. 
I mean, you know, I re- in fact, maybe I don't. I don't want to know how he lured it out. How do you lure a tapeworm out? I mean, if it's eating sushi, it's got it really good. What 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 better can you entice it? What do you have a like a wedge of of rare blue cheese that you wave back and forth in front of your butthole? Ah, come and get this fine European cheese. Yes, smell the blue cheese wafting through the one-eyed cyclops tunnel. Come, come and sample this beautiful. And the, the Tommy the tapeworm sticks his head out of your ass and goes, that smells delicious. You know, I've been having sushi for about six weeks straight. I think I'll get me some fine European blue cheese, babe. I'll just slither out of this little uh, porthole here at the back of the ship and I don't know. We are humans. We weird, man. And you got to wonder if the guy didn't like get it out. How much bigger does this thing get? Holy God. What, what if the thing's like suddenly 20, 30, 40 feet? Yeesh. Suddenly, you know, in the middle of the night, you get something knocking on the inside of your skull. Hey, buddy. Yes? It's uh, it's Tommy. Tommy the tapeworm? Yeah, that's right. You know who I am. Quit playing games. Uh, What's up, Tommy? Yeah, listen, man, I'm about uh, 40 feet long. I'm hungry. Okay, I'll I'll have breakfast in the morning. No, no, I want... You know that 24-hour McDonald's drive-thru right down the street? Yes, Tommy. Yeah, start the car, asshole. But, but Tommy, it's three in the morning. Start the car or I eat your left kidney. Okay, Tommy, let's go. I mean, Jesus. So there you go, gang. You know, easy on the sushi. Check yourself for tapeworms. Maybe maybe later tonight get a brick of cheese out of your, out of your fridge and just, you know, maybe wave it past your asshole four or five times quickly and see if see if anybody pops their head out. I uh, just I just want you to be healthy. That's all. It's just a, it's like a safety thing right here. All right, that's it. I can't even talk about this anymore. I should have stopped at the bloody diarrhea. Rice aroni, the San Francisco treat. Again, Astronova, Robert Rodriguez, Conchita. Pick up your basket. Okay, let's switch gears from the wild, the wacky, the weird. And the funny and something a little serious. Um, you know, I feel like this was an important phone call that I got. It was the phone call was a follow up to a to a a direct message I got to my Twitter account, and and it was from a gentleman, a stranger, someone I had never met, someone I'd never talked to, but someone who um, who felt uh, that uh, they needed to reach out and and have someone hear them. Or, or listen to them, or respond to them. And, uh, and so I'll play you the phone call uh, from, from the gentleman, and then, uh, and then I'll talk about it on the other side. It's a bit of an, an intimate uh, you know, conversation we had, but I feel like it's worth sharing because I think it's important, and I think it's, it's, it's a situation that confronts a lot of people. And so uh, I, I wanna I wanna share this with everyone listening, and uh, and uh, we'll talk about it more in detail on the other side of this gentleman's phone message. Play it, Raj. How do you do, Harlan? 
Alfred Stetson here. I wanted to reach out audibly to again say thank you for taking time to respond to my direct message on Twitter. Loneliness can make you reach out in ways one normally wouldn't, and to be honest, it was a bit embarrassing after hitting send. But your response was heartfelt and true to your form and made engaging in your response one of the coolest experiences I've had. I know you're super busy and you're pulled in a lot of directions, but you made time to respond and give me some real-life perspective on how thankful I should be. Uh, I don't have the greatest support system, and uh, you know, loss of a parent can take a big toll on your outlook in life. Um, I struggle daily still with depression and anxiety, um, but I've got uh, gainful employment with the technical support role with the largest PC manufacturer in the world, and it's going splendidly. Keeps my mind occupied. I'm sleeping better. Uh, I've taken home more than reasonable reasonable pay. Um, starting to get normal things back in my life, like groceries, gas in the tank, you know, the normal stuff. Uh, most importantly, I scheduled an appointment with a mental health professional through my employer's more than adequate health insurance plan. So uh, the world can make you feel really small and insignificant incons- uh, sometimes, but you helped me feel needed. And that might be weird to say, but I really needed it. Thank you. Thank you so much. Cheers, mate. Alfred. Well, Alfred, hey, man, you know, I could sense your your need to connect with someone in your in your direct message on Twitter. And I can I can hear it in your voice. And you know what, man, you should never be embarrassed about being lonely or feeling isolated or, you know, being in a dark place that there's there's no embarrassment in that ever, 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 ever. It's part of the human condition, bud. It, 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 it's like if you're happy, if you're in love, if you're sad, if you're, if you're defeated, if you're triumphant, all these are the flavors. Think of your brain, your body, your mind as a Baskin-Robbins with like endless flavors. And, and loneliness and depression are just are some of the flavors in that beautiful that beautiful refrigerated uh, container that has all the different ice cream flavors and you 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 have to kind of balance the ones that don't taste good with the ones that make you euphoric and taste amazing and the ones that are just kind of in the middle of the road and the ones that lean towards great but aren't and the ones that lean towards bad but are kind of somewhere in the middle so uh, don't be ashamed, don't be embarrassed, and uh, don't be uh, upset with yourself. Everybody, everybody listening right now has been through loneliness and, and in a dark place. And I just want to state right out of the gate that I'm not a professional, I'm not a doctor, I'm not a psychologist. I just kind of, you know, I know what, what it feels like. We all do. And so you sounded like a, like you said, a, a lonely guy that was looking for a voice, a voice that cared, a voice that was concerned, and a voice that would just respond and and be there and be supportive. And so I won't go into the details. I'm not going to read the tweet, but, uh, you know, Albert's tweet was similar to his phone call that he described where he was feeling a bit destitute and detached and 
looking in the mirror and going, why should I live and what's the point and, you know, why go on and what's what's the point of life and, you know, some heavy stuff, man. And uh, I'll be honest, I don't normally reach out to people on my Twitter account or Instagram, people I don't know. You know, it's not my place. I'm not a doctor and, and, you know, I, I don't, I don't really want to get that intimate with people I don't know. It's just, it, it's not something I think most people want to do. But sometimes you can tell when a stranger needs a hand or somebody needs a, a caring voice or you need to put, put a candle in the window in the darkness. And, and I, I can tell that, you know, Alfred reached out and I read his tweet and I was like, man, this guy, you know, He's hurting, man. He's he's not in a, he's not in a good place. And when somebody's kind of questioning the 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 value of going on in life, and 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 even getting enjoyment from life, you know that person needs some help. And and so I'll say this, you know, I responded to the tweet, and I'm responding to this, and and obviously Albert, I I care about you. Everyone listening cares about you, but. You know, this will be the last time because I, you know, I'm not a professional. I don't want to get into a place where we kind of create this relationship where, you know, you're depending on me for for input. But in this moment, I, I think it, it it's key that you know we have this connection. And so, so when Albert told me that he was feeling this detachment and this desire to maybe not go on or questioning why he should go on in life. I kind of didn't want to just be like a Dr. Phil and give the traditional answer. And I thought, you know, maybe I can be a little creative with Albert. And so what I did is I wrote back to him and I explained to him that, you know, Albert, life is precious. Life is such a precious thing. And I said to him, I said in my direct message, I said, somewhere right now, Albert, there's someone laying in a hospital bed, or there's someone in a car twisted around a lamppost, or there's someone in an alley that's just been stabbed, right? And cut to the the person in the hospital, and it could be you, put picture yourself there, or a loved one, and picture your whole family standing around, and you're looking down at that loved one, and all you can see in their eyes is, man, if I just had one more minute of life, if I just had one more hour of life, if, if God, if you could just give me one more day, one more week, one more month of life to get up and move and and breathe and eat and live and see and experience. And that's, that's when you realize how precious life is when you see other people that would give anything to have even five more minutes with their family or with their friends or just anything to eat some ice cream, right? And you got to remember that that life is always going to throw stuff at you and things are going to build up. 
And especially in this world where, you know, we we have a lot of material things. We have a lot of th- things where we're living through social media. We're comparing ourselves to other people. We're looking at life through the prism of the life that society has created, which is go to work, get a job, fall in line, get your paycheck, get your health care, go to the doctor, get your physical, pay your car payments, go to the movie with your friend. You know what I mean? So you can get you can get kind of lulled into lockstep with the way things are supposed to be or the way society thinks you're supposed to be. And before you know it, you're just, you're like a, you're like a log rolling down a log chute at a sawmill. You're just, you know, you're just, you're like the log ride at the amusement park. You just float and then you go around and you come down the splash thing and you go around again and again, and that could become your life. And then maybe that's where you become, you know, downtrodden and beaten down and you, you don't feel any purpose. And so there's a few little things I'm going to say here, and I'm not a professional. I'm just going to relay some thoughts, and I'm going to I'm going to even tell you a little trick that I do sometimes when I'm feeling blue. But what you got to do in life is you you got to make life yours. You got you got to find a purpose and passion and meaning for you, and you can't roll around living for everybody else and trying to fit into the system. If you do that, you're just going to be another log on the log ride. And if you're feeling lonely and detached and uninspired and kind of just mind numb and you're not really feeling like you belong or you're doing anything constructive or worthy, then then it's incumbent on you to look at yourself in the mirror and, and change gears and, and find something that gives you passion. Find something that makes makes you want to get up in the morning and live and that that can't that that's not easy sometimes but if you just sit there and wait for it to come to you or you wait for someone's approval or you wait for an epiphany the answer's already inside you man just just lay there in the morning you go man what would i really like to be doing i i don't want to be going to an office i want to be a white water river rafting guide that's what i've always wanted to do fuck and you you go do it man or i've wanted to collect rocks i want to i want to go out in the desert with a pickaxe and and collect rocks and find dinosaur bones that's what i want to do i want to be a ballerina i want to dance well guess what life happens quick man that's the other thing You, you know life happens quicker than you think and to, for you to want to get out of it early is unacceptable. You can't. You got to remember, you you beat 350,000 of your sperm brothers and sisters. They they were all fighting, man. They were all raging down the, the river to the egg. They were squirming and squiggling and fighting and punching and bashing. And you're the fucking one, man. You're the gold medal winner. You beat them all. You you sprinted over the line. You're the you're the Ubain bolts of your sperms, man. You 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 beat them all, man. That's not an easy feat. You you're you're here for a reason. You you 
It's no small miracle that you're here. So don't just like throw it off like, oh, I was born, you know, I care. Nothing's going good for me. I guess I'll just get rid of myself. That seems like an easy thing to do. Well, no. I'm not gonna let you I'm not gonna let you go there. Nobody is. It ain't fair, it ain't right. You're like automatically a winner. The fact that you exist, you're a supreme athlete. You're a winner. You won. Okay? But the problem is you flop out into this world and you don't just flop out as a free entity. You do, but you get molded. You get shaped from the minute you're born. You get a social security number and a name and a birth certificate and a bank account and this and that and blah, blah. And suddenly you're not this this free-flowing thing that if left to your own devices, who knows what you'd become. And so that's the key. You've got to look beyond all the all the institutions and all the all the pre-programmed propaganda and crap that, that's been laid at your feet. You've got to you've got to you've got to fight your way the way you fought to be a sperm to that egg. You got now that you're in the living world, you've got to fight your way every day to get to your destination. If you want to be a rock singer, if you want to be a writer, a poet, a dancer, a photographer, well you gotta pitch yourself being that 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 kick ass sperm cell and you gotta you gotta swim for your goals man you gotta swim for your your target your objective and when you do that when you make life spicy and when you chase your dreams well then you're not that lowly anymore and you're not that in in that place you you you're motivated you got you got you got reason you got passion and uh, so I'm super glad that you were able to, um, you know, kind of course correct a little, Albert. And to finish up with Albert, what I did is, you know, after I kind of said to Albert, I said, you know, so many people would, would just love to have the life. And when I say the life, I mean the time that you have, because Albert, you've probably got, who knows, 20, 30, 40, 50 years of your natural life left if you if you live reasonably healthy. And there's a million people across the globe right now laying on their deathbed going, oh God, if I could just have one more day, one more night even, one more hour. And here's someone who's healthy and alive and vibrant, ready to just throw it all away, or at least thinking about it. I'm not saying anyone's throwing it away, but and that happens and you have to you have to shoo those demons away man and to your point about losing losing a parent oh my god it's brutal it 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 leaves a hole in your heart that doesn't exist i i did podcasts probably i think 3 years ago when i lost my mother and i i think i broke down on 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 the air on my podcast because it's so emotional it's so devastating but here's what i said then and i'll say now when you lose someone you love, like a parent, like some uh, a family member, you don't you don't let that become your burden on your back because you're not honoring their life. You're not honoring your life. What you do is you continue living harder and stronger, and you let that person you love live through you. You see, you're their continuation. They they gave birth to you. 
you're their flesh and blood. And so you live stronger and harder and louder and more vibrant, and you let the, the spirit of the deceased course through your body and, and be channeled through you. And now you're almost living for two or three or whoever you want to allow into your soul. And so, Albert, that the parent that you lost, as crushing as, 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 a, as a blow as it is and as painful as it is, don't let that, that pain knock you down and drag you down and hold you down. Take, take that pain and embrace it and, and take it inside and, and let it burn like a light and say, I'm going to let this person keep on living. Their memory, their spirit, their energy is going to keep flowing through me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live for them. They're not, they're not gone. I'm not going to let them just be gone. I'm going to live with them. They're going to live through me. And that becomes very empowering, and it makes you want to live more, and it makes you want to carry their spirit. And you, you don't want to die because you, you now feel that you're carrying their, their candle for them now, you know? And that can be a very beautiful, powerful thing. And so what I did with, with Albert is, you know, I wrote him this, this direct message, and I said, you know, all these things about how, how people would love to have the life you're talking about disposing of. And I said to him, I said, and just so you know, I'm coming for you. I said, I'm looking forward to getting your life. And I know at that point, Albert was probably very confused. But as I said, I wanted to be a little creative and kind of catch him off guard. And then I signed my direct message. I didn't, I didn't write anything flowery or fluffy. I didn't go, I really hope you're okay, Albert. Lo- love and kisses Harlan. I said, I want you to know, Albert, I'm on my way. Oh, I'm, I'm coming closer. I'm getting closer to you every day, Albert. I can't wait to reach out and touch you because I want you. Yours truly, death. Yeah. I pretended I was death writing him a direct message. And I thought maybe that'll shake him up. Maybe maybe if death responded to his outcry. And I wasn't trying to be mean or vindictive or or a smart ass. I was I was really trying to be compassionate and 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 uh caring. But at the same time I wanted to startle Albert a little bit. I wanted to rattle his bones and and remind him that death is coming for all of us. Death can't wait to reach out and touch us. And that the day he taps you on the shoulder, you're going to be the same as the people in that hospital bed. You're going to be like, oh my God, just no. No, what do you mean I only have an hour left to live? No. Have you ever been at someone's bedside and you can see death in their eyes? Oh my God. And someone's been stabbed or in a car accident. All they want to do is reach out and grab you and don't let me go. I want to live. Think of all the soldiers in war who wanted to live. Think of all the people who have died who didn't want to die. None of us want to die. So I tried to be creative and and kind of 
startle Albert a little bit, but at the same time be be very gentle and kind and, and understanding. And I was glad to get this voicemail from Albert because he got it. And and I think it was it, it affected him in a in a more poetic way than just the standard, hey buddy, it's okay. You're gonna be alright. I I hope that maybe I jostled his mind a little bit with my response. And as I said, because I'm not a doctor, it's not because I don't care about Albert, but I don't want to keep all these exchanges going because I think what you're doing, Albert, you mentioned it in your phone call, is you're seeing a professional, and I think that's good. That's who you really needed. And if I was able to reach out and be a light for you that night or even now, a voice of encouragement and and a, and a, a caring, compassionate voice for a fellow human being, that's... That's beautiful. And, you know, I always say this at the end of the day, the only one that can pull you away from from the bad stuff is yourself. And so in order to do that, you got to want it. You got it. You got to you got to find some passion in your life and find a direction. And so here's one little thing that I'll do. And again, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a psychologist, but we all have our little things that we do that sometimes help us through the day or night, right? And this one is so simple. I think I might have said it before on the podcast. It's so simple and silly, but it actually works. Okay? Because your brain and your body are two different things. Your body is your car, and your brain is the engine, is is the is the electronics. And unless you have a Tesla... When you get in your car, you don't just sit down and press the gas and put your hands at your side and let the car drive you where it wants to go, right? You don't let the car steer. You have to steer. You have to control the, the, the zigs and the zags and the turns and the straightaways and all that. You don't just start the car and say, okay, car, take me. That would be insanity, right? That would be instant death. And so the brain and the body is the same way. You are in charge of your, your car, your brain. And when the brain, when you wake up in the morning and the brain goes, you know what, I'm going to be really depressed today. You just, you just opened your eyes and it, life is shitty. And I lost a parent. And I don't like my job. And I'm not feeling great. And I'm a little overweight and blah, blah, blah. And man, that car can take over and start driving you before you know it. And then you're just sitting behind the wheel going, I've lost control. My car's driving me. Ah, I want to die. Well, you don't want that. And so here's a weird, every now and then if I wake up on the, as they say, the wrong side of the bed or in a funk like that. You know what I do? It's a weird little exercise, but I tell you most of the time it works. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to offer it to you and see if it works. It's a stupid, silly little trick. Here's what it is. Visualize in that big brain of yours, just visualize a light switch. You ever see a light switch on a wall? So the next time you wake up or you're anywhere you are, you could be walking down the street and all of a sudden your brain goes to the dark place because, oh, God, I feel down. I feel shit. I want to end it. I want whatever you're thinking, however dark you go, just before it can even run away with you, picture the light switch. 
okay? A simple freaking light switch. And with the power of your mind, just go, you know what, depression? Uh Uh-uh. Click. And you just click it off. And you take back your brain and you go, this is my fucking brain. No, all that negative shit you're bringing, you're just manifesting it. It's my body's chemicals, it's my brain, it's my neurons, it's whatever it is. And if I just let it go, my car's going to steer all over the road and smash into a wall and I'm going to have a shitty day or week or I'm going to try and end it. Or And this is a weird little exercise, but you just literally go, when you feel it starting, the minute you just go, you go to that light switch and you go click and you click it off. And you just don't let it. Right away, you just click it and you stop all the bad thoughts. And if they come back, you go right back to the light. You go, nope, this is my fucking body. This is my fucking mind. Nope, I'm in charge. I'm driving the car, not you. Nice try, loser. Click. And I'm telling you, man, it's the simplest, but sometimes it's it works. And if you want to borrow that, if you want to try that, Albert, you know, even even when it's heavy, I've had heavy days where I'm like, oh man, and I just go, no, no, I'm I just woke up. I'm not gonna have a sh- click, and I just don't let it, and I just switch gears and I just start going on about something else. It's the weirdest thing, and again, I'm not I'm no psychologist, I'm no doctor. It might not work for you, but hey, anything's worth a try if you're feeling like you're in a bad place. If you're blue, mildly down, extremely down, you'll be amazed. It's it's almost like just if you saw your car careening towards a wall and all of a sudden you grab the wheel and you turn it back. And you're like, okay, I'm back on the road. It's just like that. Click. Nope. No bad thoughts in this brain. I'm in charge. Click. So there you go. And I hope Albert doesn't mind, you know, I, I think, you know, him, him sharing his phone call was kind of his, his subliminal way of saying, hey, I want to talk about this a bit more. Let's put it out there. And so I hope, I hope this, this uh, response, Albert, is, is helpful. And I, you know what, dude, I hope you're doing great. And I think everyone listening hopes you're doing great. And, and just find that positive, passionate outlook in life. And... You know, on a more morbid note, remember that death can't wait to put his arms around you. So live it up, man. Do all the great things you want to do in life while well you can. It goes by quickly. So there you go. A little serious towards the end of the show, but I thought it was important because Albert is indicative of many of us. We, we are all humans. We all have our ups and downs. And so I thought, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna put the comedy on the shelf for a few minutes here tonight, and we're gonna talk. We're gonna address this. And so there you go. I hope you're doing great. Keep keep on thinking great things. Use that little light switch. And uh, and we're gonna end it right there because you know it just doesn't seem like it makes sense to go to comedy after this. But we'll be back. We'll be back for another episode next week. And if you want to see me do stand-up comedy, I will be uh, this weekend in Denver, Colorado at the Comedy Works, June 7 and 8. Yes. 
Come and see me and we will laugh together. And then two weeks later, June 20th to 22nd, I will be up in Baltimore doing some stand-up comedy. So great stuff ahead. Um, And Albert, thank you for sharing your phone call, man. Be well. And I know you're going to do great, man. And we're sorry about the loss of your parent, but just, again, live large and strong and, and carry their torch, baby. And that's it. All of you do great. All of you do well. All of you enjoy every damn second of your life because it is beautiful. It is precious. And, you know, the bad times you have today, you probably won't even remember them next year. That'll be your homework. Think about last year. Do you remember anything really that bad? Can you really remember it? Maybe. Mostly probably not. So enjoy it. Laugh, have fun, and until next time, chicken chow mein, baby. Again, Astronova, Rodriguez, Conchita, pick up your basket.